you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 175 of the Dave Damashek football program. Available as always on iTunes and at NFL.com slash Sheck S H E K. A quick reminder to you, in case you somehow have missed it, me and my main man Warren Sapp, soon to be receiving his gold jacket out there in Canton, Ohio. He and I jumped into the sports car. Find it at NFL.com slash check S-H-E-K. You'll see we take a spin. We talk about this and that. We talked about what happened between him and Brett Favre. You remember those playoff games when they used to jaw at each other. He finally reveals what the nature of their conversation was. So make sure you check that out. Good show coming up right now. We have Ladanian Tomlinson. Another guy who's very likely, in fact, just about guaranteed his gold jacket somewhere soon down the line. Meantime, let's kibitz with a man who has a nice piece up at NFL.com. It's called the 50th Anniversary all uh, 50th Anniversary Hall of Fame team. I'm speaking of E.H. Elliott Harrison. What's the poop with you, fella? Well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad you called me E.H. because I wanted to ask you, how do you feel? About people calling Tomlinson LT. I can't stand it. And the only reason that I started calling you EH, I guess I'm, I'm really feeding into the problem. I find that lame two initial nickname a 21st century advent, and it just speaks to our society's laziness. I don't care for it. And I will bring it up to a Ladanian when he shows up here. Kimmel gave him the business back on the late night show about a decade ago. How dare you do that? If I remember correctly, in fact, Lawrence Taylor came up from behind him and uh, threw a little bit of a fit. I think that's what the bit was. But either way, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like Aaron Rodgers calling himself A-Rod after that very strange baseball player. That's It's not just that he took somebody else's nickname, but now he is by definition, associated with one of the weirder baseball players in history. What about our producer, Black Tide, going by TD? I mean, that's Tony Dorsett. I don't even know what that means. I, I don't know him by any other name other than Black Tide. Back there behind the glass, what's the poop with you, Black Tide? What's going on, fellas? I'm doing well. Actually, TD is my first name, last name initial, sort of. And it's just easier to go by TD. O- only only Elliot is is uh, intrigued by I this. Guess, the I rest guess. of the world Can wants I just us to talk about say, some though, football. Quickly, last week we had Jerry Rice on, and a lot of people. Oh, JR. Out, yeah, a lot, <laughs> a lot of people pointed out that's you know I fulfilled my uh, goal here on this podcast, so I think I might retire after this. Yeah, a lot of feedback on the, on the Twitter. You can hit me up at Damashek. A lot of people uh, were keen on my question: which kind of rice does Jerry Rice prefer, brown or white? I can't believe, I think it's a failure on the part of journalists of the last four decades that that's a question that was never posed to a man named Rice. 
the best wide receiver, the best player, what's the best kind of rice? It seems like a natural question. But either way, uh, EH, before we get LT in here, I want to talk about your 50th anniversary team, so on and so forth. We also referenced here on the podcast a couple weeks ago, Tony Romo, you, of course, are uh, firmly in the pro-Romo camp. You are a Romopologist, as I call you. Uh, we'll talk about those things. But your thoughts on, since the last time we hit the air, a lot of camp is now officially underway across the league. And big injuries weigh in here on which one is the biggest. Jeremy Macklin going down for the Eagles. Pitta now out for the Ravens. And Dan Copen out uh, under uh, for, as the man who was uh, going to be giving the ball to Peyton Manning all season long through his legs. I think that definitely is a big injury, uh, the Copen injury. But I, I'm going to go with Pitta. And the reason why is because if you look at what the Ravens have offensively, they just lost Anquan Bolden. How many times in the postseason, Dave, did you see Bolden catch a ball when he was covered? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, some of the catches he made against the Patriots were insane. I mean, the guy literally is never not open. And so who's going to replace that possession slot? Well, we all thought that it would be Dennis Pitta, the tight end. Torrey Smith is more of your vertical threat. He's a home run guy. He's not your seven-yard slant on third and six guy. And for them to lose Pitta now, I just don't know what that passing offense is going to do. I mean, yes, Ray Rice can catch the ball at the backfield. We still don't know how much of a timeshare he's going to have with Bernard Pierce, by the way. I find that Pitta's injury could affect them. They have already been depleted this season. You know, Ed Reed is in Houston. Some people say, hey, that's not a big deal. I think most people agree Bolden in San Francisco is a big deal. Obviously, Ray Lewis's leadership is gone. Now to lose a guy like Pitta, who may not be your best player, but certainly in your core group of players, that would be my vote for the most significant injury. I'm inclined to agree with you. It just, when you take a step back from it and try and see the forest for the trees, it sounds very funny to say that the balance of power in the AFC North and maybe even the entire AFC it swings on Dennis Pitta. That seems weird to me. I agree. That said, I agree with you. I think he was going to get a ton of targets this year. He obviously was getting a ton of targets as the season went on last year and was huge in the playoffs. And the thing I've said, this sounds like a broken record, but, you know, Anquan Bolden maybe even should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl because he made Flacco look dynamite. There were three plays in particular that I always think of, strong catches, covered, that he just straight out out-muscled the, the DBs to come down with and, and uh, change that game, obviously. Now you don't have Pitta either. Yeah, Torrey Smith maybe elevates himself now to, to another level, but still... Ed Dixon now is your is your target there. It's it's uh, pretty sketchy what the, who Joe Flacco is going to be looking at once you get past. I mean, Tandon Doss. I mean, how enthusiastic can you possibly be about that guy? Yeah, I'd be. A, well, I think his parents are. <laughs> but I'll tell you, you know, Jacoby Jones. I hate to disparage the top one hundred oh, players on. here, but you know, if you're relying on Jacoby Jones to pick up the slack there, I, I just don't think you can. And like I said, when Bolden left, I think all of us, whether it's you, whether you like the fantasy angle of the game or the reality angle of the game, I think a lot of people expected Pitta's production to go up. Yeah, and who do you, you know, when people try and defend Jacoby Jones, um, you know, filling in as that number two wide receiver, I refer you to the first time he was uh, he was considered a number two receiver in Houston, Tex- with the Houston Texans, and Andre Johnson drawing double coverage, plus Owen Daniels, and Jacoby Jones was uh, a pretty much a non-factor down there outside of the return game. What is different now? Would you rather have Andre Johnson and Owen Daniels distracting the uh, um, would-be pass coverage guys or Torrey Smith and 
Ed Dixon, like I say? Well, I didn't know if that was a rhetorical question, but I can tell you what's different. Kevin Walter isn't on the Ravens to beat him out again. That, that, <laughs> that, that's what's different. By the out way. Goes, out goes Kevin Walter. In comes Tandon Doss. Bolden, Hall of Fame, Dave? No. He's not. Uh, no. I don't think so. It's a great question, though. We were talking about that. In fact, uh, let's jump into a little bit of that uh, uh, that conversation now. And let's start out with, I know it's premature um, to start talking about guys in the midst of their careers, but I've long said that Ben Roethlisberger could retire right now and he goes to the Hall of Fame. Is the same true of Eli Manning? And before you answer, I'll remind you and the listener that every QB who has won two Super Bowls is in the Hall of Fame, save Jim Plunkett. So, Eli Manning, Hall of Famer. No. Really? No, not if he retires today. No way. What does he need to do? I don't think he's been reliable enough. I mean, you're also talking about somebody who a few years ago had 30 tar- turnovers. I mean, I, I just uh, – yes, the Giants have won two Super Bowls, but if you look at their body of work, three of the last four years, they haven't even made the playoffs. So, uh, to say that Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer, and then also in, in 2007 – did they win that Super Bowl because of Eli Manning? Yes, he made one late high throw over the middle, which breaks every cardinal sin of a quarterback to David Tyree. But overall, he did not play exceptionally in that Super Bowl. I don't think anyone thinks he won that Super Bowl. He did play very well in Indianapolis. You and I were both there. Uh, but I don't think at this point his two Super Bowl wins well, it's funny. Perception equals reality, but the but if you actually go back and look at that NFC title game in San Francisco a couple of years ago, he was lousy in that entire second half. He was yeah. he was. I mean, the the Niners dominated the Giants pretty good from the second half on in that game. But Eli Manning, after the Kyle Williams for the first fumble that he made, he does throw one strike. Who was that to? Was that to Mario Manningham? The touchdown pass in the in the championship in the game? title game. Yeah, in the title game. I believe it was Cruz. I don't think so. I think it was Manningham. Now that I think of either way, it, it's uh, it's moot. But the, the but he throws that strike. But he was lousy otherwise. It's interesting. Eli Manning's a fun guy. You're going to do a piece about what guys are going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, the next fifty, you're calling it? Yes, that, that's right. And and you know what's really important with not only the the next fifty Hall of Famers, but Eli Manning. To me, I subscribe to the eyeball test and how they compare to their peers. I. I just don't believe in this whole winning is uh, paramount to everything in the quarterback position because I just don't think that's true. I was fortunate enough. It's in the top two. Hey, I was fortunate enough to watch Dan Fouts. I was fortunate enough to watch Dan Marino. Those guys were better players than Eli Manning. Mark it down. I agree with that. I'm not. I don't debate that. But you know, now we're now you're uh, sucking me into a Romo conversation before I wanted <laughs> I to get into it. Yeah, okay. that's right. That's what you're doing, Tony Romo. I just want to say to you. Because I've said it when you're not here. People like you who defend Tony Romo, the Romo apologists. Rednecks. No, there are a lot of people. I thought, listen, (laughs) I talked to Trent Dilfer a couple weeks ago, and he said that he's talked with, you know, obviously he's a QB guru. He said he's talked to the likes of Aaron Rodgers and said, what do you think of Tony Romo? All, everybody who is a so-called expert loves Tony Romo, or I would say two out of three at minimum think Tony Romo's great. It's, but when then you throw the argument back, you don't know what you're talking about if you don't think Romo's great. The implication is that I think Tony Romo is bad. I don't think Tony Romo is a, is a crummy QB. I think, though, you cannot 
remove the fact that in the biggest situations in his career, he has consistently thrown bad balls. I mean, what's to be said about that? I mean, there, there, I, I think he, on, on the whole of his career, yeah, he's been terrific. He's the best player on that team. I think it's a little overstated, by the way. The whole He wears a star on the side of his hat. All right, it's the NFL. Everybody watches all the games. I know if you're in Jacksonville, there's a difference between that and being in Dallas. But look. Jay Cutler catches plenty of heat. Ask him what that's like. And the QBs and uh, and Rex Ryan and everybody else. Philip Rivers. Up in New York. I mean, th- listen, just because you're in Dallas, uh, it's a little bit much with the hyperbole. Like, nothing tougher than being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. All right. Is it really? I don't know about that. But the point is, you cannot uh, – Here's and you'll you'll appreciate this comparison, I think, because you're a big Indiana Jones fan. It's the equivalent of if Tony Romo was the man and he has overcome all the shortcomings uh, out there on the roster otherwise. It's the equivalent of Indiana Jones at the end of Temple of Doom saying, yeah, I've defeated pretty much everything else. But right at the end, going to short round his little sidekick and saying, like, you take it from here, fella. You know, it's not my fault that we that we didn't win. Like, well, listen, if you're the hero, then you have to come through in the biggest moment in order to be elevated into that into that highest level of guys at the position true yeah i I agree with you on on this point and after the spear in the back from 400 yards that you gave me uh what what, what does that mean i uh i've I've consistently said that to you i agree with you on several points The, the point i agree with you the most on is the star on the helmet thing look nobody hated chad hutchinson because chad hutchinson sucked that's why you know nobody cared about drew henson because drew henson stunk you know tony romo is disliked because he's good that's why he's disliked. If Tony Romo wasn't good, nobody would care. Bottom line. I know this is going to be a very unpopular argument, but I'd like to draw an analogy. And since it's Hall of Fame week, I think this is uh, appropriate. Everyone apologizes for Barry Sanders. Across the board, everyone apologizes for him. Because in their mind, they see these spectacular runs. And then when he, you bring up his postseason record and how absolutely awful it is. Awful. Okay, you're a Franco Harris guy. You compare Franco Harris's postseason numbers when the Steelers were playing incredible competition to to Barry Sanders. It's not even comparable. Yet Tony Romo doesn't get the same same uh, kind of treatment. Tony Romo makes plays that are absolutely mind boggling good. His escapability in the pocket is bar none. It's bar none. And almost everyone agrees with that, that maybe only Roethlisberger is a tougher guy. And Russell it, Wilson is is putting himself into that, it, too. Bet. But, yeah, I, I got you. I, that's a great point. Romo has made some true highlight material plays, but then when he hasn't made the play in the crunch time, that is underlined every time, whereas someone like Barry Sanders is always apologized for because, oh, he played for the Lions. Well, you know what? Ah, Tony Romo plays for the Cowboys, who has a running back, DeMarco Murray, who everyone seems to think is so wonderful, yet he can't keep his butt on the field. Des Bryant, who everyone thinks is wonderful, but half the time, if you watch the sidelines during a broadcast, you'll see Romo or the wide receivers coach having to tell him where to go. So these awful throws that you see Romo make, like against the Bears last year, it's because Des Bryant didn't make the right hot read, ran the I wrong route, I hear and the ball goes that. right to Peanut Tillman. But, and, he's got yeah. the, but he's got Jason Witten, who's among the very best Terrible of the generation. Line. I got it all, but but you understand my point, why I say that. You're right. He does have Kevin Ogletree, and I apologize. No, listen, don't change the argument. If he's the hero, then he must perform like a hero in the big climax of the movie, or in this case, the football game. Okay, I'm I'm down with that, so I'm going to give you something else. 
So what you're doing is you're holding Romo, and this is something I said in the article, you're holding Romo accountable individually right now. You're saying if he's the hero, then he needs to act like it and lift his team and lift those around him like Harrison Ford would lift the cast around hey, him. Hey, other guys do it. Okay, okay. So if you're going to hold him accountable individually, then I have carte blanche right now to bring up his individual statistics. because That's fine, but let me just say this okay. to you. Let me just say before, because I, I know where you're going. Look, John Elway typically would not be – there were a lot of games where John Elway was pretty pedestrian and, in fact, was a detriment early in you games, bet. in big games. But when it counted, in the last few minutes of those games even, not even at the, from the start of the game, in the big moments, he that's when he, his star shone brightest. I agree. Same for Brett Favre and, to some degree, Ben Roethlisberger and even – Peyton Manning, who I disparage, you know, these guys who do it in the clutch. I know t Tony Romo does it in fourth quarter, but he doesn't do it in the fourth quarter of the biggest games is okay. the point. Well, here's the deal. Okay, yes, Elway could stink up the joint for three quarters and then play like Roger Stahl back in the fourth. I get that. But uh, Tony Romo is the fifth highest rated quarterback of all time. So he hasn't been stinking up the joint in the first, second, and third quarter. He has the highest fourth-quarter passer rating of any active passer right now. And now you could say, well, some of that's garbage time. And as you said, maybe he stunk it up in the third quarter. Here's what I think is interesting. If you actually narrow that stat down more, Dave, if you go plus or minus seven, i.e. when the Cowboys are within seven points or ahead by seven points and anywhere in between, he's the second highest rated passer to only Aaron Rodgers. So the idea that he hasn't been clutch is false. And he had several comeback wins last year. He had four comeback wins last year. But it's – listen, see, again, now you're making a blanket statement that indicts me. I can tell that's what you're trying. That's passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive? Passive talking about like, Romo. Like my ex-girlfriend. Now listen to me. I'm not saying he doesn't come through now and again. I am saying, however, in week 17 with the division on the line, the season on the line, in the fourth quarter, that's where he failed. Do you see? I'm not saying he he's not well. good. I'm saying that he is not good when it counts the most. You he, see? He didn't play well, but, you know, the Giants weren't playing for anything in week 17, were they? All right, listen. I'm not, I, I have neither the time nor inclination to indulge this any further. I think I've made my points. You've made yours. Now we'll see. In the NFC East 2013, how say you, though, who's going to win that division? It's really, you know, the East is, is almost perennially the most uh, intriguing division or in the top two or three most intriguing. And I certainly don't think anybody looks at any of those four teams and says, wow, this is one of the three or four best teams in the NFL. But what is fascinating about it is you can make a pretty good case for any of those four winning the division this year. Again, just like you could last year. You can. I've said it time and again. The, the Eagles, to me, are the great unknown in the NFL. Right. Uh, the Giants are always competitive. Uh, I've changed my tune. I thought the Redskins were the favorites most of the summer, but until I'm guaranteed on RG3, I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win the NFC East. I'm going back and forth, too. I mean, I really, my brain switches every three minutes. In fact, whatever team I'm thinking about, that's the team I think is going to win the division because I can make a case, again, like you say, Chip Kelly. Let's say that that offense, if for no other reason than because the NFL hasn't seen anything exactly like that, it'll take them a minute to adjust to it, and they do have some talented pieces on both sides of the ball. If RG3 is right, why not to do what they did again, especially sure. getting back a couple of key defenders who they lost for the bulk of the season last year? Let's assume those guys come back in good health. 
The the Cowboys, listen, they have addressed as best they could their two weak their, their two greatest weaknesses, namely the secondary and the offensive line. I think that their twin DBs are a nice place to start in the, in the at the third level there in the defense. And the offensive line can't help but be any better if Demarco Murray is right. Well, there That's you go. That's a big if. Yeah, that, that, that's a big if. You know, you hear a remarkable stat, uh, and then you have the Giants, of course. Who you know, it's been a, it, they you know they had the down year last year, but I think we can assume that Tom Coughlin, obviously, look at his history, you can assume some level of bounce back this year. Well, what's interesting to me is two of the top three teams last year when it comes to losing starts to injuries. So if you add up all the guys that had injured and how many starts they missed. Two of the three teams that had the most missed starts were the Washington Redskins, who won the division, and the Cowboys, who played the Redskins for the division. They had an unbelievable number of injuries, so the Giants kind of lucked out. Last year was the year that Hmm. the Giants really should have taken advantage, and they weren't able to capitalize. There's no way that Dallas is going to have the, the injuries they had last year, and I don't think Washington will either. All right, let's talk about your 50th anniversary team as we approach the Hall of Fame here. What, as you sat down and wrote this, and it's a massive piece, this is not something I think EH you said to me before we got going. How do you refer to it? This is not something to, uh, this isn't toilet, uh, this isn't bathroom. This isn't, a, this isn't a three minute, you know, pop yeah. a squat and open up the iPad. All right, with that language. <laughs> pop a pop squat. squat, what, on the couch? On the couch. Oh, on the, on the couch. All right, I, I got you now. You guys always go to, like, bathroom humor. This is 6,000, 7,000 words and uh, delightful stuff. As you're writing it, though, what felt like, wow, I'm surprised. Because there are some things where I start, I, I in my brain, like, here's an overarching premise, and I start writing to it, and then I realize, oh, I didn't expect that to be part of the one of the conclu- one of the conclusions. Well, there, there were several. Uh, one of the big ones for me was at wide receiver. I knew that Lance Allworth was good. You know, I always use the first AFL player elected in the Hall of Fame in 1977. I looked up his 1965 season, and I knew that Allworth had this run of 1,000-yard seasons, but 1965, in a 14-game season, back when defensive backs could hit you all the way down the field if they wanted to, the guy had 1,602 yards Hmm. in 14 games, okay? That's way, way way more impressive than what Megatron did this year for the Lions when you can barely touch a guy. And uh, for Allworth to put up that kind of production in 1965, I was I was shocked. The other thing was uh, doing some research on the defensive side of the ball. Emlyn Tunnell, one of the old-time safeties, had 73 picks his first 10 years in the league. That means he averaged over seven interceptions a season. Just to give you a comparison, the Cowboys and the Chiefs last year as a team had seven interceptions. And... Uh, just the competition. I mean, you you don't realize, Dave, how many great players they've been they've been in the NFL until you actually just start going through and saying, "How am I going to pick a guy at this spot?" I mean, middle linebacker has tons of great players. Corner. I mean, Dion didn't make the team. Okay, most people think Dion's a slam dunk. He didn't make it. There were so Mel Blount didn't make it. There's so many good corners. Blunt is the one. Listen, Dion Sanders. Good luck uh, should he run into you in the hallway explaining that one away to prime time. But Mel Blunt also stands out to me. You say through the history of the NFL until you know midway through Mel Blunt's career, the DBs are allowed to hit the receivers as they move down the field. But only Mel Blunt did it so effectively that the NFL had to change the rule to stop him from doing that. Six foot three. I know. He he was a great player. He was a very, very tough cut. 
Uh, but I ended up picking a, another Steeler in his spot. I went with Rod Woodson. I thought Rod Woodson was just a little bit better player. Rod Woodson was more dangerous with the ball in his hands than Mel Blount was. And Rod Woodson ended his career at safety as an all-pro with the Raiders. I love the versatility. You know what I'd like to do someday? One of the many uh, we're doing uh, coming up here in just a second here, we're going to have LaDainian Tomlinson coming here into Studio 66 and be on the lookout. We're also, Black Tie's going to turn that into a video segment. So for our ongoing series, DDFP TV, EH, you hang out for that one too. But here's a great DDFP TV for the future days here. Someday, Black Tie, we got to get Rod Woodson and Deion Sanders side by side, and we're going to have a debate about who was the great, who was the greater uh, corner in his because those guys contemporaries. And in fact, I like ask I have asked both of them that question: who was better? And they are sort of nice about one another, but they're both competitive, and they and they kind of want to say themselves, but they want to be respectful. But of course, they both have egos. Let's make sure we make that one happen, even if we have to do it over the phone. Black tie that'll be pretty good. Um, R A D H, are you black tie? Is, is L T on his way here? He's on his way right now. All right, is there any? Oh, you know what we got, we got to do, Black Tie. What do we got to do? I want to start a thing. I like this LT very much, and I'm going to whisper it in case he can hear us. I like him. He's he's you know his the he's one of those guys who has a reputation, and I've heard this for about the last seven or eight years um, that he is one of the most cordial, decent guys. And sometimes you meet people face-to-face, and you're kind of disappointed. Like, yeah, not that nice a guy. And sometimes people surprise you. LT lives up to uh, to that reputation. and uh, so Because he's I, from Texas. I hate that. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah. Good. Oh, boy, this is going to be painful for me, right? To Pretty sit much. between the two of you, listening to you flap your gums about Texas. Terrific. Um, but LT, I, the thing I, I feel obliged to ask him about is, is that playoff game against the Patriots in Foxborough where he sat it out. You bet. So that I want to ask about that. That sounds a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> I think it's appropriate. Fine. So we'll ask it's the good, uncomfortable it's a, question. It's a good question. The unco- here, here begins with LT when he comes in here. We shall begin the uncomfortable question of the day. I like that. LT, first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah, but I'll tell you, and this isn't to, to disparage him, I think he deservedly will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I sincerely think, and, and I know you'll say, well, that's because you're a Steeler fan. I, I'm, I, I really am stunned. And in fact, we just did an instant debate on NFL.com, and you know the, the editors ask uh, all of us a question, and we respond in paragraph. Um, and the question was, and you can find that one, it's up there somewhere, is um, who is the biggest omission right now from the Hall of Fame? And I thought about Ray Guy. I know Rank probably is weighing in on that one. Like I mentioned earlier, Jim Plunkett has two Super Bowl rings. That seems weird that he's not in the Hall of Fame. But to me, it's Jerome Bettis. What is the, what's the delay on this? He's the, he's the sixth rusher of all time. In the history of mankind, only five human beings have more rushing yards than Jerome Bettis. What's the holdup here? He's a big back who made it for 13 years. That's unheard of. Hey, Black Ties, I see you rapping us. Didn't he just say a few seconds ago about me flapping my gums about Texas? And what's he doing right now? I, that's not biased. Flapping his gums about Pittsburgh. You don't it? think Jerome Bettis belongs in the Hall of Fame? I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I don't think I would take Charles Haley as a more egregious. Uh, that's a good one. More egregious. Well, what, what team did he play for? 
played for the Cowboys, but I'm actually thinking of his 49er days. He was a monster for the well, Niners. Listen, Charles Haley absolutely belongs, and yeah, and I, and I spaced that one. But 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 Jerome Bettis, yeah, and that's a conversation because Ladanian's coming up here right now. But you know the, uh, the the philosophy of the guys who the gatekeepers of the Hall of Fame, the writers. I find it laughable that it's like, well, he's a Hall of Famer. He's just not a first ballot Hall of Fame. Was he a Hall of Famer or, or not? Why aren't we holding him out of the Hall of Why did Chris Carter have to wait as long as he did? It's ridiculous. I think people forget his production with the Rams, and I think some of the injury problems he had. You have to admit, Bettis was not really the consistent uh, leading the league and in, in rushing kind of guy that, that Emmett and Barry always were. I think he was a shade underneath that. But I do think he's comparable with Curtis Martin. Yeah, that's a that's a good comparison, and in fact, their numbers sort of bear that out. Now, of course, Ladanian and Curtis Martin both did it in fewer seasons than Jerome Bettis, and his per carry average is not uh, necessarily awe inspiring. But look, he's a hammer. Yeah, but how he's, was he used? You know how what he was. He but let me just say one more thing about that. The thing with that, and that is the indictment against him. People who say Bettis, oh, I don't know about him. I'm not so impressed. The nature of what he was was three yard, the classic three yards in a cloud of dust. And you and I have gone on and on about Rashard Mendenhall as a as a running dancer. back is a dancer. And when you need a yard, he sometimes wouldn't get it for you because he's too busy, busy dancing. You gave the ball to Jerome Bettis. It was always three yards in the fourth quarter. He just ground you into submission with that. With just put it in his big gut. And uh, and next thing you knew, there were four minutes left on the clock with no chance of uh, a comeback. Hey, he opposition. had that game against the Eagles. Five carries, one yard, three touchdowns. Love that line. <laughs> All right, EA. All right, so here he comes. Oh, this is this is going to be good here. Here he comes through the door now. Look at this. Hey, E.H., you're going to like this. Two Texas boys here. Look at this. I TCU, love it. North Texas. Pride of Waco, Texas right here. LaDainian Thomas. What's the poop there, LT? Well, it's all about Texas right now, yeah. I guess. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you still have a pair of boots somewhere? Uh, absolutely I do, and a cowboy hat. Really? Love that. I do. I'd like yeah. to listen. You could really distinguish yourself as a broadcaster if you would wear the cowboy hat <laughs> that would be out awesome. on the TV. That would be listen, interesting. That's just a. I'm going to throw that yeah. out there. That's a tip. You know where you should wear it is when you. I don't want to jinx anything, but I think it's a foregone conclusion. Ladainian Tomlinson, you are going to the Hall of Fame at some point. You're going to get a gold jacket, and uh, so maybe you wear your cowboy hat. A cowboy hat out there. What do you think about that idea? Well, we'll see. You know, mm-hmm. we'll. we'll see what happens i don't really like to talk about it i know i I see that's probably a little taboo let me ask you this though lt uh, as you now have transitioned successfully from uh, from the field now you're a broadcaster here nfl network of course what what's that like now so you're close enough to it where you were a player and and certainly in new york you were under the spotlight pretty good there what is that like realistically when when dopes like me and eh yap about you what we think about you whether it's sports radio or on tv do you because players always say well we don't i don't hear any of that yeah. do you hear it I, you know what not really to be honest really? with you, because um you know most athletes have a really a one-track mind you know and, and you know to listen to the outside stuff you know it kind of takes you off your focus where you want it and I've had coaches my entire career tell me, do not read the press clippings. Do not read what's said about you, good or bad. Do not read it. And so even as a, as a young player growing up in a state like Texas where football was huge, Elliot, as you know, I, I just didn't do it. I, I didn't really pay attention to what was said about me. 
Do you then? So you're so you like to, so attention, positive, negative. When you're a kid growing up in Texas, do you now dislike the Longhorns and A and M and those teams because they didn't chase you as hard as the uh, Horn Frogs? Did? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I, I dislike them, but uh, I, I certainly don't root for them, um, especially when they're playing TCU. Now that TCU is in the Big Twelve, and so they got to play Texas every year. But A and M is interesting, you know, because I have family that are A&M fans. I mean, they really love A&M. And so A&M is a little bit different because they now play in the SEC. And so I'm, I find myself rooting for Texas A&M a little bit saying, go Texas, you know, even in the SEC that's supposedly the best conference in football. Well, UT is a lot closer to home from where you're from than, than A&M is. But I'm curious, you know, when you were growing up, were you too old for Tony Dorsett? Were you just an Emmett guy, or are you a which one? No, I, I was right there, um, right as Tony's, I guess, is end of his career. Because um, Tony, you know, Emmett got there, what, 80? 90, 90. Right at 90. I was thinking 89, but I guess that was Troy. Troy was right Yeah, Troy there. was 89, yeah. You know, but so I grew up, when I first started watching football with my father, I was, you know, five, six years old. I was born in 79, so that tell you, you know, right around 84, 85, you know, I, I was Tony Darset. TD know. was still really good at yes, that point. Yes, he was. Yes. Wow. So yeah, that was pretty early on. Yeah, Gil Brandt, none other than Gil Brandt, says Tony Dorsett, the greatest uh, Cowboys running back of all time, even over the all-time. I wouldn't record. argue with that. I yeah, think it's, it's comparable. LT, back to this attention stuff, and we talk about A and M. What do you make about Johnny Manziel? I mean, he's a twenty-year-old kid. Right. I'm inclined to sort of say, let's not make too big a deal of it in July or August. But how say you? Is this an issue for you? Um, not really. You know, kids are going to be kids, particularly in college. You know, the only thing I worry about is, is Johnny uh, doing it overboard a little bit as he starts to get more attention now. It's like, you know, he's not backing away from that. You know, you you see the pictures and stuff at, at with him at clubs and whatnot, fraternity parties, and that's okay. You know, but at some point, um, when do you have to start to protect yourself? You know, because he's going to be judged by this from the NFL scouts and everybody else. Mm -hmm. But is it unfair, though, in the sense that, you know, I don't know what you were up to when you were 20, but I bet I bet you at least half uh, college kids, in uh, whether playing football or not, if you know, had there been I, – I listen, all you have to do is go on social media right now or on Facebook, and you'll see plenty of images of 20-year-olds yeah. with drinks in their hands, uh, even I mean, though it's was, not the legal I, drinking I, I was partying, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That, that happens. You know, but at the same time, you have to be careful about that, though. It's a, it's a place to do it. You, you know, publicly, you, you really cannot do that if you're Johnny Menzel, you know, because mm -hmm. so many eyes are on you. You're the Heisman Trophy. I man. just want to know if you had a Ford probe. That's all I want. <laughs> no. No, he didn't have a probe? All right. <laughs> I had a, Why would he have a probe? I don't know. I mean, I had one uh, when I was twenty twenty one. I just, you know, I just I thought had maybe. Chevy S10. You know, the little, the little mini the, truck, the mini had truck. The wheels popping out. You know, <laughs> Did you have the woofers behind your bench seat? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I did not because my, my buddies used to sit back there sideways. You know, oh, like yeah, this. on the, yeah. the fold-down. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. When we was going out. I had a Geo Prism. I think he yeah. wins the drag race. <laughs> but, you know, see, again, good thing we didn't have a drag race back then because the, the, we'd be all over Twitter and yeah, exactly. get in trouble. See. I I wanted to ask you, I, I just picked the uh, Hall of Fame 50th anniversary team, and I needed to pick two running backs. Uh, I picked Jim Brown and Walter Payton. Yeah. If you had to pick the two backs, the greatest two running backs of all time, who would you go? I'd probably go Walter and Barry. 
And, and you know, it's nothing against Jim Brown because Jim, you know, obviously it is in a lot of people's minds the greatest running back to ever live. But I never really got a chance to watch Jim. I mean, That's I watched the answer, him. I, right? I watched him on film. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was growing up, the guys that I wanted to be like, who was more my size, was Walter and Barry. Mm-hmm. And so if I had to pick two guys, that would be my guys. I never like it when people answer Jim Brown. You didn't see him play. How can we possibly weigh in on that? You When people get, when 24-year-old guys get up, so how do you not mention uh, Sammy Baugh? Like, well, I don't know. I don't think either one of us really saw much of Baugh's prime, so I can't wall, really. Wall, wall, as I pick Jim Brown on my, on my <laughs> team. Yeah. I think you did well there. I think you did well. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. LT, the Chargers are playing the Jets with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, who are you rooting for? I'm rooting for the Chargers. You know, I mean, that seems know, obvious. Yeah, yeah, I spent nine years there. I, I got a great history there with the organization and the community. You know, the Jets run was, you know, it was fun, but I was more so the last two years, you know, really chasing the Super Bowl ring. And so, uh, you know, I love both teams. But if they're playing each other, I'm probably going to root for the Would that Chargers. Been, I, I talk about that a lot. We see that in various sports where guys get at the end of their career and they say, you know what, I want to I punctuate this thing with a ring. Um, would that have been uh, in a weird way? Would that have been somehow unsatisfying? or so, you know, Because I, the, I, a hockey fan, Raymond Bork, a longtime right. Boston Bruin, then he goes to the Avalanche and two months later he's <laughs> holding a stand. Like, I was like, eh, doesn't that feel a little empty? You didn't do it right. with your guys. Right. Well, I think it's just the gratification of spending all those years working toward that pinnacle. You know what I mean? And, you know, you finally get there no matter who is with, no matter who the guys around that you're hugging, you do it. You mm-hmm. know, and so I think that's what it's more so about. Would you would love to do it with your team, the guys that, that you basically was drafted to do it with and built something with for a long time? Absolutely. All right. Now it's time for the uncomfortable question of the day. LT. The playoff game, the AFC title game in Foxborough. As you look back on that, what are your thoughts? Do you think, man, I wish I'd been out there? I mean, obviously you wish you'd been right. out there. But right. what, as you reflect on that, do you think, man, I should have just run out on the field? No, I actually did. You know, it's, it's weird because uh, I, I tried to play. You know, six six days coming off of an MCL injury that I did the previous game in, with the Colts. You know, it, it's weird because I look back. Why couldn't it have been any other part of my body? As a runner, mm-hmm. it, it was my knee. You know, and when I went out there, the very first play, I got the ball and Teddy hit me at my knee, right at my knee, and it tweaked it again. And I knew at that point I was going to have trouble the rest of the game. And so here's what happened. The next series, we run a screen play. And I catch the screen, and I got one man to beat. Teddy is kind of, you know, right behind me. It's wide open. If it's me, I'm out the gate. I cannot outrun Teddy, and I'm just, you know, it, it just didn't happen. No explosion. No explosion. No, and it was so disappointing for me. I was so angry because I could not perform, but the knee wouldn't allow me to. It's a funny thing because you are by – I don't obviously know you very well, but I can tell from your – you're, you're known as a, as a nice guy and you live up to that, but it seems like you're sort of soft-spoken – so you're not going to fight back and say to the media, you guys don't know what you're talking about, right. and go on a tirade like that. But then perception is, I, I to be honest with you, I really don't recall you out on the field even in that yeah. game. So. Yeah, go, you take, take a look. I you, started the game. You know, that year you guys made the AFC Championship, that was 2007. Right. You made it with the Jets. 
but wasn't really your – or would you think your best shot was the 016, the year mm-hmm. you had a great year and you played New England? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, Ellie. I mean, that was the, the best year. That was our best chance. I think we had the best team. Defensively, we was dominant. To your point about never fighting back, if you remember after that game we lost, you know, it was the whole big thing about me blowing up – you know, at the end of the game, because the Patriots started dancing on a oh, logo. Yeah, and right. so as a captain of that team at the time, that was the time where I took a stand and said, listen, guys, this is my team. This is my field. Our fans, you will not disrespect us like that and dance on our field. You won the game. Congratulations. But don't do it here. This is our field. And so people, oh, he's a sore loser. You know, he could. It wasn't about that. I'm the captain of that team, and I will not be disrespected. My team like that. Um, Ladanian, all right, listen, we'll let you go. But uh, last question, better 2013, Jets or Chargers? I think no question the Chargers. I mean, you, Agreed. They, got, they got the better quarterback. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in New York between Geno and Mark. And so, Nothing weird. I mean, I think that's an easy answer but uh, to, to say the Chargers, but that's a tough division. But let me say uh, with, the, uh, with the assumed emergence of the Chiefs a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Phil Rivers, though, I guess this will be our last question. Phil Rivers, a couple of down years consecutively now. Is there reason to be optimistic? I know you, he's a chum and everything else, but is there reason to think that at this stage in his career he's going to bounce back physically? Because it looks like when you look at him with just the eyeball test, it's like, hmm, there's a little something off there the last yeah. couple of years. Well, he's he's very – I talked to him. He's very optimistic. And looking at him, I think there are chances for him to regain his form. One, because if you look at North Turner's system, North, they threw the ball down the field. And you have to protect the quarterback, like a uh, quarterback, particularly like Phillip, to throw the ball down the field. And if they, their offensive line wasn't good, no left tackle. And so Phillip could not hold the ball and throw it. He, you know, made bad decisions. So now in Ken Winston system, they're doing a little bit, th- little bit, you know, different style, getting the ball out quickly. And so his completion percentage is going to go up, but he's going to make better decisions. So I think, you know, with all that said, I, I think he could have a bounce-back season. All right, interesting stuff, LT. Like I say, get out of here. I, see, we got to get into the sports car, you yeah. and me. We'll take a spin around the streets. And that's 10. Yeah, we got to get to the bottom of this <laughs> LT nickname. I don't – I'm not yeah. a – you know, listen, there's somebody else has that nickname. I know you and Kimmel got into that years ago. But yeah, I mean, it's not gotta, my fault. That's, I mean, it just kind of stuck, mm-hmm. my friends. All right, we know. got a lot more to talk about, and uh, I look forward to doing that with you sometime soon. But LT, go kibitz about training camp, yeah, would you? Absolutely. All right, Thank there he goes, you, the great Ladanian Tomlinson <laughs> and Elliot Harrison, the boot. In boots. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Dave Damashek. There he goes out the door. He's got network obligations, EH. You and me. Let's just sit here and kibitz all day. Oh, no. Black Tie doesn't want to do that. He has other. But he, I think he's hungry for lunch or something like that. So I guess we'll wrap it up. But uh, see, you see, EH, I ask the hard-hitting questions. You did, did you see how I confronted LT? You do. I just want to know what TD has for lunch. He looks like a like a sushi guy. Oh, no, a little no, bit. no, no, no. I'm sure that's too exotic. Brown rice sushi. That's how I roll. Brown rice sushi? Yeah. So healthy, so healthy. Look at that. LT, so, I mean LT. You're Elliot. E-H, Elliot, whatever you want to call. See, I didn't like, the only thing I didn't like about LT there, he said it wasn't his fault. Here's what you do when you call him LT. When somebody calls you LT, you put your foot down and say, absolutely not, I'm not going to respond to that. There's, <laughs> there's only one LT. 
Yeah. That's, that's what he could say. But I agree with him. I mean, other people started naming him that. Yeah, fair yeah. enough, I guess. But a delightful fella. And, uh, yeah, we got to get him in the sports car. In the meantime, though, a, a Hall of Famer to be in the next uh, couple of days here, our pal Warren Sapp. Make sure you check out that latest episode of the sports car. Again, it's available at NFL.com. And, of course, when you talk Hall of Fame, look up E.H. Elliott Harrison's piece, the 50th anniversary uh, a Hall of Fame team, in other words, the best 22 players in NFL history is basically what you're laying out And there. a special teamer, coach, and contributor. So make sure you check that out. EH, you're off to Canton, eh? Show enough. Oh, Can't wait. Great. Which are, forward are, to it. The most important thing is, you, are you flying into Cleveland, Ohio, or into Pittsburgh, PA? Well, I haven't gotten my itinerary yet, so I'll be as surprised as you. All right. How about that? Yeah, but isn't it interesting that your two access points to Canton – are either the most bum franchise in Super Bowl era or the greatest. Isn't that interesting? It's it's uh, only interesting to you. You're a creep. All right. Well, listen, EH, that being said, what is, I always get confused by your dumb Twitter handle. Let's throw it Well, out. that's a great plug. I mean, well, it's dumb. I don't <laughs> I like mean, underscores. They don't make any sense. You know what? Fab set up my Twitter, so that's why it's been like that. Fabiano, at, go it's ahead. It's at Harrison underscore NFL. We'll see. How can anybody find that? All right. Now he's giving it to you. So EH. I appreciate your uh, your valuable time. We also appreciate uh, Ladanian Tomlinson's time as well. Have a great time in Canton. We will be back, listener, with more football talk for you later in the week. In the meantime, thanks so much. Thanks so much. I'm getting choked up. I'm going to miss you, Elliot. Thanks so much. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.